my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, July the 29th. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace. I wish you God's life. I wish you God's beauty. I wish you God's goodness today. My friends, I hope you have had a marvelous week. It is Friday already. We are almost to the end of July, which is amazing. We are going to look at the readings for this coming weekend. This is the 18th Sunday of Ordinary Time, Uh, and so if you are listening to this, gosh, you might be listening to this on Friday when I drop it. You might be listening to this afterward, which is absolutely fine. The Word of God is still the Word of God, and it still penetrates regardless of when we listen to it. But if you are listening to it before, again, the idea here is I'm going to read the first reading that we're going to hear this Sunday on the 18th Sunday of Ordinary Time. I'm going to read the gospel that we'll hear. I'll invite you to listen for a thread. Always listen for that. And when you're listening to the Word of God, I I invite you also to ask the question, Spirit, what are you speaking to me about? Because how the Holy Spirit speaks to you through the Word of God may be very different than how the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And that's the height and depth and length and breadth of God's goodness and God's word, right? And, uh, and what the word of God needs to say to you may be different to me. And so, so when the spirit of God speaks to you in a certain way, do not let go of that. Grasp it. That's very important. And so I'll always ask us that question after listening to the gospel is, where did that take you today? What is God saying to you? And then I'll unpack where my thoughts take it. So the idea here is for us to chew on the Word of God before we hear it this weekend when we go to to Mass and and then hear another take on it as well so that Word can find root within us. That said, uh, okay, we're going to start with a pretty famous reading from Ecclesiastes. You know Ecclesiastes is a wisdom literature from the Hebrew Scriptures. We're going to jump around a little bit in Ecclesiastes. If you want to follow with, it's going to be Ecclesiastes 1, uh, verse 2. And then we're going to go to chapter 2, verses 21 to 23. So Ecclesiastes 1, verse 2, and then chapter 2, verses 21 to 23. Let's break open God's Word. A reading from the book of Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanities, says Koheleth. Vanity of vanities, all things are vanity. Here is one who has labored with wisdom and knowledge and skill, and yet to another who has not labored over it, he must leave property. This also is vanity and a great misfortune. For what profit comes to man from all the toil and anxiety of heart, with which he has labored under the sun. All his days sorrow and grief are his occupation. Even at night his mind is not at rest. This also is vanity. My friends, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now we're going to jump ahead to the gospel, and we're going to jump to Luke chapter 12. So Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. So let's break open God's word. And again, 
invite you to see, are you seeing any threads within these that sound familiar? A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Jesus replied to him, Friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbiter? Then Jesus said to the crowd, Take care to guard against all greed, for though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Then he told them a parable. There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, What shall I do, for I do not have space to store my harvest? And he said, This is what I shall do. I shall tear down my barns and build larger ones. Then I shall store all my grain and other goods, and I shall say to myself, Now, as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your life will be demanded of you, and the things you have prepared to whom will they belong? Thus will it be for all who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God. My friends, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So again, my friends, the question that I'll ask and invite you to stew over, more important, probably than anything else I'm going to say, besides the, the word that I just read. Where did the Spirit meet you? What word, what phrase, what idea is going on within you right now, having heard that? I want you to pause the pod and sit with that phrase, with that word, with that idea, and allow the Spirit of God to stir within you. Okay. Thank you for taking a moment to do that, my friends. So now, let's unpack. And again, these are my thoughts. Take them or leave them. But let's start with Ecclesiastes. Now again, remember, wisdom literature. If you're looking at Hebrew scriptures, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the five first books, those are the Holy of Holies. Those are, are the books that were carried around in the Ark of the Covenant, uh, with the, uh, with the uh, well, I mean, it was the Ten Commandments, ultimately, which is in Exodus. But these are the center of, uh, of the Jewish people, right? Because it was within those books that uh, they as a people were created and were set as a covenant uh, to God and God to them. Uh, they were God's people, and he would be their God, right? That was at Mount Zion. And, uh, and all of uh, all, everything that, that took place within that. Anyway, so that's the Pentateuch. That's the, of utmost importance. Then you've got the historical books, things like, you know, Joshua, uh, as they take the Holy Land, uh, things like Ruth, like Esther, uh, things like First and Second Kings, First uh, and Second Chronicles, those that, that the, uh, Chronicles is a good name because they chronicle the history of the Jewish people. 
uh, as they enter the Holy Land, as they become this nation under the King Saul, David and Solomon, and then the division that happens between the north and the south, Israel and Judah. Then you've got the prophets, right? Uh, the three that we would call the major prophets would be uh, Isaiah, of course, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then what's called minor prophets, ones like Micah or Hosea or Nahum or Amos, those ones, the prophetic literature. And that came after the historical, came certainly after the Torah, and, uh, and came in that spot uh, maybe six, seven hundred, let's say, to, to 500 years before Christ. And then you've got what's called the wisdom literature. Those were the ones that came closest to the writings of what we call the New Testament, the Christian scriptures. And, uh, and it's almost like the Jewish people had to go through all these things to understand who they were in their chosenness and, and to understand their history and, and to have prophets telling them, but you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you got to go this way before they could come to, to wisdom. Isn't that true in life of us too, right? That, that we're set apart. We are the beloved not only of God, but maybe of our parents. And, and then we have our own history and we come to understand what this all means. Uh, but yet we do it wrong. We, we make those choices and others challenge us on that before we ultimately can come to wisdom. And, and wisdom literature, wisdom literature would be in Ecclesiastes. It would be in the book of wisdom. It would be in the book of Job. They ask the big questions. Uh, Jonah, I would argue, would be wisdom literature. But it's asking questions like, what is it all about? That's what Ecclesiastes is asking. Or Job would ask the question of, why is there suffering present? These questions that still are present in our lives today. And, and right away, so Koheleth, this, uh, this uh, author here, is uh, vanity of vanities, says Koheleth, that's the name. Vanity of vanities, all things are vanity. That's what this writer of this wisdom literature comes out right away and says, everything is vain. Everything, now when you hear vanity, uh, you know, don't just think, oh, this is me looking in the mirror, don't I look fantastic? Uh, think vapor, think smoke, think nothingness. Everything is nothing. Everything amounts to nothing is what this writer is saying. And, and he's really, or she, is really looking for what is it that amounts to something. And they're making arguments all during the, the book, actually. And uh, in, this, in this one, the argument is, and it's not the only argument that the writer Koheleth writes, but says, here is one who has labored with wisdom and knowledge and skill. So maybe that's you. Maybe you have a university degree. Maybe you have a master's degree. Maybe you are a teacher. Maybe you are a, a, a skilled workman. Maybe you are a, a, a tradesman or a tradeswoman, uh, and you're excellent at what you do. You have labored with wisdom and knowledge and skill, and you have built up a good, uh, whether we call that a nest egg or a good retirement or whatever that is, and yet to another who has not labored over it, they must leave their property. Ultimately, they're saying when they die, they don't get to take that with them. Their estate goes to another who has not labored for it. And that this is vanity, he says. This is nothingness. It, you know, all this that we labor for, what does it amount to? In the end, it goes to somebody who didn't labor for it. And this is a great misfortune. What profit comes to us from all that toil and anxiety of heart for which we labored for under the sun? All our days are sorrow and grief. 
You know, because we're always striving, striving for that, which we can't take with us, which amounts to nothing. Even our mind doesn't rest at night. This, these are the questions that are being asked, not only in, in Ecclesiastes here, but in life, right? What is it all about? And so Jesus takes that in Luke, right? And, and he's going to ask similar questions. So he does it in a parable, but, but the parable comes about from a real-life situation, which is, you know, this isn't a bad question. The guy says, hey, Lord, tell my brother, sister, tell my, uh, my, my sibling here to share the inheritance with me, right? It's what, it's what Ecclesiastes was talking about. Where does all this money go to? You know, it's vanity of vanities. It's all smoke. It's all vapor. It's all nothingness. It's going it, to, the, the sun's going to come up, it's going to dry up, it's going to be gone in a moment's time. It's due, it's missed, it's nothing. And yet, this person is upset about it and says, tell my sister, tell my brother, tell them to share it with me. And he says, listen, friend, who appointed me as your judge? And then he looks to everybody and he says, take care to guard against greed. For though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. And I love that word, possessions. And I invite us to chew on that word, possessions. Because I think we think we possess something else. We possess knowledge. We possess um, this bank account. We possess uh, this property or whatever. But at what level, my friends, do we possess these things or do they possess us? I think that is the question that Koheleth is asking with Ecclesiastes, right? He says, even at night, even at night, our mind is not at rest. And, and sorrow and grief are our occupation. Why? Because we're so wrapped up in all of this. You know, for those who... Uh, you know, I'm, I, I am in no way claiming that I am a Buddhist, but that idea of Buddhism that, and, and you can even Google this, what is it that causes suffering? In, in, in the Buddhist ideology, what is it that causes suffering? And the answer would be one word, desire. The root of all sufferings is desire. It's that desire to possess and that's exactly what Jesus is saying here to us. He's saying, my friends, one's life does not consist of possessions, that desire to possess. I was talking with a friend today, a co-worker actually, you know, and again, I work in the hospice uh, ministry. And, uh, and so we deal with, with pain and suffering all the time and grief and grief. And, and there seems to be not, not universally, and so I don't want to paint with too big a brush, but our culture in the United States, we avoid that idea of suffering and think that if we gain enough um, monetary power that we can put suffering off, we can avoid it, or we can surround ourselves with security and suffering and grief won't touch us. In a sense, isn't that what this rich man in Jesus' parable tries to do? But brothers and sisters, grief awaits for all of us. 
And I don't say that in a doomsday type of prediction, you know, prediction for us. I don't say that for us to get down. I say that to say, that's the reality of the human condition. Suffering and grief are part of life. We will not get out of it. If we are going to invest ourselves in things that really matter, in loved ones, we will grieve and we will suffer. Because even in the Buddhist tradition, what I, what I talked about there is suffering because it is our desire. My desire is for my loved one to, to succeed or to feel good or to feel happy or whatever that is. And when they don't, because of whatever reason, maybe they're, they're uh, the, the butt of jokes at school. Maybe they fail in whatever they're doing. Um, maybe they get ill and I can't control any of those things. And I suffer because that desire, and I'm not saying get rid of that desire to love. I mean, love is the very essence of who we are. But, but what my point is, is we're not going to be able to avoid grief. Grief will find us. And so Jesus uses a parable that, that reminds us of that. There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. What shall I do? I don't have space. I mean, my harvest is so big. This is so great. What do I do with all this? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns, build bigger ones, and then I'm going to store all my grain. And, and, and when I've done all that, I'll, I'll, I'll kick my feet up, and, and I'm going to be set for years to come. And I'll eat, drink, and be merry because I don't have to worry about grief because I'm, I've got these possessions, right? They're mine. And God says to him, you fool. This night your life will demand, be demanded of you. And all the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? Again, that goes back to that thread of Kohelet, right? They're going to be passed on to somebody who didn't labor and worry about all this stuff. And what's it gain you? What's it gain me? Thus will it be for all those who store up treasure for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God. So there's the central question. There's the stew in which our God invites us into. What are the things that matter in life to God? You know, there's a... Um, Jerry Kramer was a, a famous guard for the Green Bay Packers in football. One of the greatest guards to ever play the game. Uh, won numerous Super Bowls uh, in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and, and rose to the pinnacle of his sport. But in the 1980s, so this had to be, let's say, 10, 15 years after he played the game and, and was one of the best ever, wrote a book uh, called Distant Replay. And in it, he asked the central question of, what's my life all about? And the very thing that I should have done, now these are my paraphrased words, but effectively I'm saying what Jerry says here, the very thing I should have done, I didn't do. I paid attention to the silly game, and I was incredibly good at it. But those values that are important, those values I, I needed to and should have passed on to my children, I didn't do. And the very thing that my father and mother did for me to pass on these values to me, I didn't do for them. And so the question I would ask us to sit and ponder this weekend or this coming week for us is, what are the things that matter to God? You know, this rich person 
had everything that he or she needed to feel they thought they were safe and secure. But we're not, my friends. We can't control life. Life is far bigger. We can't control that. What are the things that ultimately matter? You know, there's a quote Jim Carrey says, Jim Carrey, the famous actor, uh, marvelous actor, to be honest with you. And he says this. This is a guy who's getting paid $20 million to, to do a film, right? He says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. This isn't me talking. This is a guy who's been to the pinnacle of his career. I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of. This could be Jerry Kramer talking too, right? Get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of to see that it's not where you want to go. It doesn't hold the answer. So what holds the answer? Kramer gave us an insight, right? The very things, the values that are so simple, that don't cost us a dime, that our God invites us into. What does the fruit of the Spirit look like? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. I want to be possessed by that. These other things, this rich person was possessed by the need for security, possessed by the need to surround himself or herself with enough that they'll be set. But they didn't think of their fellow sisters or brothers. They didn't think that what was given to them was actually given to be gifted to all others. What is it that we have, my friends, that we can gift right now? What is it that we value? What are the things of God that we can spend our time with today that doesn't cost a dime, but that builds up this treasure in our lives, in the lives of those around us, and makes life better. Those are the things upon which we stand. Those are the things that in, indeed can and should and will possess us. So that when we come to the end, God doesn't say, you fool. But it says, ah, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. You didn't put it in a storage bin. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was in need of what you had. Whatever that is. That gift of your creativity or life or insight or presence or love or goodness or whatever it is. Maybe a hand to hold. I was in need of it. And you gave it to me. My friends, Let's, uh, let's ponder these things and let's take them to prayer. So we begin the Luminous Mysteries this week. huh? We're already uh, moving through. We're moving through. So let's begin as we begin all things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The first Luminous Mystery, the baptism of Jesus. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, bless you. Thanks for being with me this week as we break open God's Word. Have a wonderful Friday, a wonderful weekend, a blessed week coming up. And I look forward to seeing you again next Friday. Be well and God's peace.